You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. We are starting a new series, and we don't really... uh, we just like to call things what they are. We're starting a series on covenant, okay? I don't have a fancy name for you. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to give you God's word. Is that okay? <laughs> um, we're, it's called covenant. And I, over the past several weeks, I have never experienced a, a, a burden and a prompting to, to so, uh, so real and tangible to do a series on a certain topic like I have for this one. Because as we get into this, you're going to see how covenant touches everything, how it truly is, when we understand our covenant with the holy God, how it truly is the foundation for everything with our walk with Christ. It is the foundation for it all. Here's the other thing I would say. We are going to talk about a lot of stuff today. If you got a note-taking card when you came in, you can see how many scriptures we are going to look at today. As always, do not take my word for it. You need to take God's word for it. We give you those note-taking cards so you can go home. Treat today as a spiritual, and honestly, through this entire series, we need to treat our Sundays like a spiritual thanksgiving. It's a lot of meat and potatoes. It's a lot of spiritual consumption of, of not fluff, okay? Not just the casseroles on the side. I'm talking about the meat and potatoes of spiritual growth. Consume it, but just like we do in the physical, we don't just eat one day a week, if we're just eating spiritually one day a week on Sundays, but we're not feeding ourselves through the week, we're missing it. So here's what I would encourage you to do. We're gonna, I'm going to get us started here, but this week, you have the note-taking card. Go home and continue to feed spiritually. It's the only way we're going to see true spiritual growth. Again, if, if you're just relying on one day a week, it's not going to be good. The other thing is this. Each week is going to build on the next, Okay. Uh, today is a, a foundation. It's, a, it's something that we are going to build from in the next weeks to come. There is so much in the topic of covenant that we could sit here for three hours. And so you're welcome. We're not going to be here for three hours. Okay, everybody, we're going to be here for just a little bit. But as we talk about this, here's what I would encourage you to do. If you don't have a church home, be here for this series. Um, if you do have a church home, you're just visiting today. Here's what I would say. Hey, we have a YouTube channel and we have a podcast Go back and watch these messages. I promise you, I don't use this lightly, okay? I'm not one of those, uh, those hype pastors that's like, you got to get here this weekend. It's going to change your life. I don't, use, I don't say this very often. When I do, I mean it. This series will change your life. It will change your life if you'll receive it and you'll apply it to your life. I promise you that. All right? Let's dive into it today. The first thing we're going to do is this. We're going to talk about what is covenant. Um, let me introduce myself. My name's Dan DeBell. I'm the lead pastor here at Abide Church. I should have done that earlier. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, man, thank you for joining us today. Anyway, let's go back, back into it. What is covenant? What is covenant? It's the foundation of everything. If you read your Bible, you've seen this word countless times. It is everywhere through Scripture, Old and New uh, Testament. And that's the other thing. Many times when we read, we will read Testament, but that word Testament can actually be translated as covenant. So as I'm reading my Bible, I have the old covenant and I have the new covenant, the old and the new. Let's talk just practically or simply as we get into this. What is a covenant? It's basically at its simplest form. It's an alliance. It's a pledge or it's a promise between two people. 
It's an alliance, it's a pledge, it's a promise between two people. You know, the word covenant in the, in the Hebrew truly actually is translated to cut, to cut. And so many times in, you know, the Hebrew, whenever two Hebrew people would come together and make a blood covenant, they would say, we are going to cut the covenant. It means to cut because many times what would happen or what they would do during a blood covenant is they would take animals, large animals and small animals, and they would cut these animals in half. Sorry, it's going to be a little bloody today. They would cut these animals in half, and they would lay the sides on either side of a walkway. And then they would walk through the blood of the animals. And we're going to get into more of what all that means in the next several weeks. But we need to understand how serious a covenant is. They would walk through these animals and be nearly ankle deep in blood, raising their hand, taking an oath to the other person, saying, by that action, saying, let this, what we did to these animals, let this be done to me if I break my end of the covenant. It was that serious. And so when they walked through, it was not just for life, but many times the blood covenant would go into the next generation. And it would follow not just my kids, but it's my family, your family. And we'll get into that in some of the next few weeks, the exchanging of names, the exchanging of weapons and the coats. There's a ton of stuff that goes into this process. But for today, here's what I need us to see. When we say covenant and when we see covenant, it is life and death. And luckily for us, it's not so much physical life and death as it is spiritual life and death. We'll see that at the very end of the message today. But there are several types of covenants. There's a lot of main covenants throughout the scripture. It's a covenant God made with Noah, with Abraham, which we're going to talk a lot about in the weeks to come, with Moses, with David. And of course, we have the new covenant, which Jesus came to give us and bring us into this new covenant. But here's what I want us to look at today. We're going to look at the two main ones, which are the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant is what had in it the law. So if we're reading scripture and we see the law, we're talking about these rules and regulations that God gave in this old covenant to the children of Israel and to Moses. And we're going to look at that. But let me say this. Why is it important for us to go back and to look at old covenants and compare it to a new covenant and what we're in today? The reason being is this. If we don't understand where we've come from, then it will be difficult for us to understand the potential of where we can go in the future. Because if we're not careful, we'll say, yeah, well, we're in a new covenant. We'll just read the New Testament and we'll just say, well, the old covenant, Old Testament is just in the past. We don't need to go back and look at it. There's nothing we can learn from it. Those are just good stories. That is false. (laughs) Those are great stories, but they're true stories. Those are people and all of it points to Jesus. All of it points to this moment in time saying, the old covenant is saying, look at Jesus. He's coming. He's coming. You may not know who he is yet, but he's coming. And then after Jesus comes and he goes to heaven, now we have the Holy Spirit saying, look at Jesus. What did he say? I will only tell you what he said. He says he's not going to say anything on his own accord. He will only say what Jesus said. And what did Jesus say? Only what the Father told him to say. It all goes to Jesus. It's simple. But if we don't understand the past, We will fail to see the potential in the future of what God has for you and for me. So let's get into it. The old covenant is simply simply this. The old covenant ends in death. If you're taking notes, that's point number one. The old covenant ends in death. This is super interesting. If we look at 2 Corinthians 3, 6, it says this, that he has enabled us to be ministers of of his new covenant This is a covenant not written of laws, but of the Spirit. So here it is. 
The old written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. Comparison. Old always ends in death. So let's talk about it, right? If I'm not familiar with Old Testament, Moses, I know of the you know, Moses, children of Israel, but what covenant are we talking about here? We're going to go all the way back to Exodus 19, starting in verse 5, and it says this. This is God saying, now, if you will obey me, this is to Moses, God to Moses, and keep my covenant, there it is, you will be my own special treasure from among all of the peoples of the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. God is showing Moses and the children of Israel, I have a lot for you. The potential, that I, the things that I have for you are incredible. You will be my special treasure. He's saying, man, I've got good stuff. But what is it going to take? It's going to take a covenant. Obey me and keep my covenant. And this is truly a blood covenant. And we're, we don't have time to get into that again. This isn't a three-hour class, but I'm going to give you some of the highlights here. So here's what happens. God gives this covenant. And in Exodus 19, we begin seeing that God begins to lay out this covenant agreement or the law, which starts with the Ten Commandments. He gives the Ten Commandments. Here we are. And then after that, the law really begins to roll. There's a lot of different things in there as far as how to treat people. If somebody does this, what happens to them? There's all of this stuff packed into all of these hundreds of rules in the law. All of this stuff. And God is, is laying this out there. But here's, here's the problem with the old covenant when it comes to God giving it to Moses. It's as we said earlier, it ends in death. But what does that really mean? The problem with it is that they, it was impossible to keep. God knew mankind. And I hate to burst our bubble in here, but we live in a sinful, fallen world. We are, when sin, I can't get into that just yet. Let me, I'm going to get into it in a second. Let me say it like this. God made this covenant. He said, I need you to follow these rules. But he knew man would mess up, right? He's known it from the beginning, Adam and Eve. There's a choice. He knows man is prone to wander and to mess up, just like the sheep. And what happened? God is on the mountain, Mount Sinai. There's Moses, and God is giving him the Ten Commandments and the law. And as he's pouring this out, and there's the cloud, and there's fire, and there's this rumbling, and the, the Israelites, the children of Israel, are at the bottom of the mountain, they know what's going on up there. They know that Moses is meeting with God himself, the presence of God himself. Well, here's what happens. While God is still making covenant with Moses at the top of the mountain, the children of Israel are at the bottom of the mountain breaking commandments one and two. Not like 300 and some. No, one and two, they are breaking right away. So let's fast forward. We're in Exodus 19. Let's go to this part. Several chapters later, Exodus 32, it says this. God is talking to Moses, and the Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. Your people, <laughs> I love that, your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Notice how God acknowledges him. Your people. But they're the children of Israel. Those are God's people. But because they were already breaking covenant, there's a lot in that story. I would encourage you to read that story in full. Moses goes to bat for his people, and he, he saves many of them. But he says, your people... Not mine, yours. You have broken covenant with me. You did not do what I've asked you to do. And earlier on, they all agreed. We will do what you tell us to do. 
Your people, go down there, your people have wandered. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and they've made a calf and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They made an idol, they began to worship it. That last verse right there, that still happens today. It's not a golden calf people prop up in their living room, but it may be the form of a TV, of things, that lifestyle choices that we're not willing to let go of, we just like to hang on to. There's idols everywhere. And so though we can look at them and be like, what are you guys doing? God's presence is at the top of the mountain. You can see it, you can hear it, but you're down here making a, a golden calf. But let's put it in perspective, right? We're in a new covenant. God's presence when we accept Jesus, is in us. Yet we'll still go and make idols and be wandered and worship other people and other things when God's presence is here. We say how foolish, but how much more foolish are we when we make idols in our own life? Can we be real today? Come on. Here's what happened. At the end of this, I can't go into all of it because, again, I don't have time. At the end of all of this, here's how it ended. God is giving the covenant. They're breaking it immediately. And, and then there's this, uh, there's this moment where Moses comes down and he's trying to cleanse the people that were, that were the worst part off of it, uh, that ones that caused a lot of people to stumble. And here's, here's how it ended. 3,000 people died that day. It was bloody and it was gruesome. It was bad. But 3,000 people, remember that. 3,000 people died that day. But here's the big question, right? We're in God's word. Why, God, do we need an old covenant? Why would you make a covenant that you know while you're making it, the people will disobey and it's going to end in 3,000 people dying? Why, God, would you make that kind of a covenant? That's a great question. Let's go to Galatians 3.19. Here's what it says. Why do we need the old covenant? What purpose then does the law serve? What was the law in the, that old covenant? It was added because of transgressions. It was added because of transgressions. That word can be translated as well as trespass. Trespass. So until this time, here's what we have. We have people, they're wandering around. They're kind of doing their own thing. Again, prone to wander in this fallen world. And here's what happens. I don't know if you know this. Maybe you've been hunting or you've been on somebody else's land or maybe you bought a piece of property and it didn't have clear property lines. You don't know you're trespassing if you don't have a property line. If there's no line, how do I know if it's good or bad, if I'm fine or if I'm in trouble? This is what the law did. The law said, God said, here's the line. Anything past this is sin. Don't do that. <laughs> do this stuff over here. Don't go over here and wander. That's why we needed it. That's why we needed it. So here's what the law did then. The law was intended to reveal sin, the old covenant. Now we know what sin is, but it doesn't stop there. It did not secure righteousness. Let me say it like this. It was to convince people of their need for justification, meaning this. I, so now that I know where the line is, I realize how much I'm crossing the line I am in trouble. I need someone to, to help make me right with God. I need help is what it did. But it also revealed to them their inability to save themselves. How can I keep living if I'm just going to continue to do this and then I got to go and I have to make this sacrifice and I got to do this and make this right? How can I continue to live this way? 
it realized, showed them, I need help, and I can't do it on my own. I need someone else's help. This is what the law did. It gave a property line. Here's what happens. If we never have the old covenant that has the law inside of it, here's what happens. Mankind, if not shown the line of sin, sin will consume mankind. Let's go back a little bit and look at another covenant, Noah. Noah is on the earth. The earth is wicked, doing such perverse, twisted, awful things that God says, I have to literally cleanse the earth with water and drown these people because they are so far from me. But he found a handful of righteous people, Noah, his family. And what did he do? He saved them, had to cleanse the earth. Why? I need a line. They just, we are prone to sin. But God said, here's the line. Don't cross it. So what does God do? God makes covenant with Noah, unconditional covenant. He says, look, I flooded the earth. Guess what? I'm never going to do that again. Puts the rainbow in the sky. Meaning what? You as mankind, us, we don't have to do anything to see the fulfillment of that covenant, which is I'll never flood the earth like that ever again. Unconditional. little side nugget for you. Let's continue on. The old covenant, it ended or led to death, ends in death. The new covenant, here's point two, it gives life. So let's start the comparison. What does this mean for us? Right? The old covenant, it's kind of depressing. Everyone's messing up. Everybody's going in there, getting into sin. People are dying. 3,000 people are dead. What's going on here? The new covenant gives life. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 3.6. What does it say? It says the old written covenant, it ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. We've got to remember that. Capital S, Spirit. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. His presence in our lives will give us life and give us freedom. So I could go in here and I could just explain this to you a little bit more, but let's just read God's Word and just take it at God's Word, all right? Let's read in Hebrews 8, because in Hebrews 8, the writer breaks down the old with the new, and he's quoting a different passage of Scripture, but he's showing us, here's what this means, the old versus the new. Hebrews 8, starting in verse 8, says this, But when God found fault with the people, he said, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, there it is, with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one that I had made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, the children of Israel. I'm speaking of Moses. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. So I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But look at this in verse 10. But this is the new covenant. I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Remember that part, the laws, minds and hearts. In verse 11, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already. And in verse 12, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he, is not, he, has, he has made the first one obsolete. The old one is obsolete. It is now out of date, and it will soon disappear. This is a lot in here, okay? Let me break it down simply. Jesus comes, and he says, I'm going to satisfy 
the old covenant. I'm going to sacrifice and be the ultimate sacrifice for your sin. And what is it saying in there? He says, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never remember their sins. That's what Jesus came to do. By his grace, he says, I can cleanse you. And as we talked several weeks ago, he says, go now and sin no more. Now go and walk in what I've given you. Jesus comes, and this is why in Matthew 26 and towards the end of the life of Jesus, when he's, when he's showing his disciples how to take communion, he says this, Matthew 26, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for, for many for the remission of sins. Okay, so here's what happens. I'm going to get, skip through some of this. In the next several weeks, we're going to come back and we're going to talk more detail, but I want to give you the foundation because I'm getting to the main point that you've got to see today. Here's what happens. Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. He's raised from the dead. When he's raised from the dead, what does he tell his disciples? He says, wait for the promise. I'm going to send you another helper in my place because I'm going to heaven. That's where Jesus is today. I'm going to heaven to be seated at the right hand, but I'm giving you someone who's just like me, who's going to work and do and speak on my behalf. His name's the Holy Spirit. He's coming. He's your helper. He goes and he sends the helper. And this is where we pick up. This is the true fulfillment and, and the full revelation of this new covenant. It's in Acts 2, verse 41. Look at this verse. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000. Where have we seen that before? Let's compare. Right? Let's go to the old, the old covenant. What did we see when the old covenant was being made and given? We saw a sound from heaven. Read it, read it through this week. There was fire on top of the mountain. The law was written on tablets of stone, Ten Commandments. What happened? Come down the mountain, 3,000 people died. Ends in death. Cannot be, cannot be satisfied except through Jesus. The new covenant and the spirit is given. And here's what happens. There's a sound from heaven in Acts 2, what? Rushing mighty wind. There's fire, tongues of fire that sit above their heads what happens? The law then is written, as we just read in Hebrews, the law is written on tablets of flesh, my mind and my heart. And guess what? 3,000 people were saved and brought to life in Jesus. Old, death. New, life. Do you see the comparison? So what do I do here then? I know where sin is. I know that I have, some, I have grace, right, under this new covenant to, to, for my, the forgiveness of sins. I can, I can go into this now. But what does, it, what does it really mean for us? And it's simply this, when you compare the two, the old covenant showed us what not to do. Don't do those things. The new covenant gives us the power to live righteously through his spirit. So too many times we like to say, well, I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But we have to remember, we were sinners I'm no longer an active sinner. I've become a saint who now can walk in new covenant with Christ. That's the difference. We can't stay here when Jesus is saying, I've paid the price for you to graduate to the next level. And guess what? I'll even give you the power to live it out. In the old, you had to do it yourself. Good luck fulfilling the law. Good luck following all these rules. In the new, what does he say? Let's look at it in Philippians 2. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Man, he, he, 
He took the load on himself. Hey, I'll take care of it. I'm going to make this so easy for you. It's a free gift. Will you accept? Will you come into this? And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about why there's, there is so many promises, benefits, and rights that we have as we are in covenant with God that we get to walk in. We're not going to get into that today, but there's the last thing I'll show you because this is the most important. Everyone wants the, the, the benefits of the new covenant, but the new covenant is conditional, and that's point number three. The new covenant is conditional. Everybody wants the benefits. It's easy to say, yeah, I want that. I want, I want more of God. But the, in this covenant, there is a few things that God asks of us. The first one is the most popular one that we hear. And the first one is belief. I need to believe. And this is where we're going to talk about in this series where the new covenant is contrasted with the old, but it is compared to the Abrahamic, the covenant that God made with Abram, Abraham. It's compared to that one. And what do we see in Genesis 15? Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness. My job in order to go into covenant is to believe, number one, in this new covenant. And where do we see that? Romans 10, 9. If you declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Believe. We know that. I need to believe in Jesus. But the second condition is often overlooked. And this is the one, please hear me. I know I, I, we went to school today. Like I said, it's, it's like Thanksgiving. I know I put a lot on your plate today, but hear this today. The second condition is death. Not a lot of cheers on that one, okay? Death. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In Hebrews 9, verse 16 and 17, again, Many times when you're reading, when you see the word testament, it can also be translated as covenant. So here's what we see. For where there is a covenant, it says testament, but can be translated covenant in the root word in the original language, there must also be the necessity, there must also of necessity be the death of what it says here, the testator. That's because the, the covenator isn't a real word, okay? It's not like the terminator, right? Jesus is, Jesus is not the cut. See, if we were real creative and fancy, that's what we could call this series, Jesus the Covenator, right? No, I ain't doing that. Death of, what does that mean? The one who makes the covenant. Okay? I was talking with Leslie about this message this past week, and here's what she said. I got to give her credit because it, it's so good. She said, everyone wants new life in Christ. I want new life from the new covenant but few are willing to die for it. Because Jesus never said, he never said, say a half-hearted prayer at church someday, repeating after your pastor by raising your hand. I'm saved, I'm good. I gotta believe. But here's what Jesus told his disciples. Pick up your cross and follow me. The death that we're talking about, it's one of the main conditions for establishing the new covenant. But it's not physical death. 
Because if we're being honest, physical death would be too easy. Everyone gets to die someday. We are talking about death to self, death to my will. This is the death that Jesus faced before his physical death. He's in the garden, he's praying, and he says, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. And until I die to my will and I die to myself, I have yet to truly step into covenant with him. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I've got to believe wholeheartedly in Jesus, but I need to die to my will. Only then will I get to live to the fullest potential of what God has for me. Many people, and here's what's scary, hear me today, hear me today. Many people are walking around saying they believe in Jesus, but they have yet to truly die to themselves. And that's the key. This is why Jesus would sound so harsh in Matthew 7, 21. I don't have it in your notes, but I, I'm gonna read it here. Matthew 7, 21, this is why it sounds harsh, but this is what Jesus said. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Not just say it, I, Jesus is Lord, everybody can say it. But I gotta believe it, and I need to die to my will and do the will of my Father in heaven. We need to beware of a self-deception, a mere verbal profession of lordship without obedience to the will of God. As one of my good friends, like we were having lunch the other day and he said, we're in the fourth quarter. I was like, yeah, that's right. And in the fourth quarter, we can't have, there is no room for half-hearted Christianity. There is no room for casual Christianity. I must believe, and I must die to myself, die to my will, not physically, my will. I need to put in the grave. I need to pick up my cross, and I need to follow him. But here's why this is encouraging. This should convict us a little to action. That's what the Holy Spirit does, is convict to action to get us closer to Jesus. But here's why this is important, this whole thing is because the answer to every need, to every problem, to every burden, to every sickness, to every weight that I've been carrying around, whatever thing I am facing that this earth, this fallen world, or my enemy, my spiritual enemies has brought against me, every answer to those issues is found through covenant with our heavenly Father, which is, how do I get that? It's through Jesus alone. The way, not through my works. I'm gonna clean my life up and God will answer my prayers because I've been a good boy. No, that's not, that's not how it works. It's a free gift. And my heart breaks because God's heart breaks because he sees, he sees his sons and he sees his daughters and he says, I have more for you, but you haven't laid down your will just yet. Will you trust me that my way is greater than your way? Will you trust me that my will for your life is better than your will? You believed, but in the book of James, he says even the demons believe. Believing is necessary. But to make covenant, I need to die to myself. God has good things for us. We can walk in authority. We can walk in confidence. We can walk as true heirs to the kingdom of God only through covenant 
And this is why I said earlier, you must be here and listen to these messages because I promise you it's changed my life doing this study. I've never felt this burden so strong before, but we must understand the power of covenant because it touches everything in our walk with Jesus. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that today would just be fuel on the fire for us. Let this not be a thing that we just do on Sunday, but God, I pray for each of our hearts personally right now. God, let it would be a, a time of refreshment, a time of new fire, fresh fire in our spirits today, God. That let us, let us leave with hunger. Let us not just leave and do nothing, but let us go and let us truly believe you, die to ourselves, and walk in covenant with you. Let that be our prayer today. Let that be our heart today, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.